By law students. For past, present, and future law students. Bringing you information to help your career. This is The Law School Show. So today we are interviewing Brittany Twist. Brittany is the executive director of Canadian Lawyers Abroad, um, but also spent some time working in Toronto as a litigator. Yes, she has some really interesting and helpful tips on how to switch from one field to a different one, what to do in interviews. She also told me how to do better handshakes. Apparently, I need to work on those. Yeah, there's some, what was it, a wet, wet noodle or some floppy fish? Mm, no, I think <laughs> that's your interpretation. <laughs> anyway, it was uh, a great interview, and we split it up into two parts. One where we talk with Brittany specifically about her experience, and another one we'll post uh, that covers more Canadian lawyers abroad and what they do. Yes, so for the second part of it, if you're interested in international law or anything internationally related, Check out that segment to find out more on how to get involved, what internship opportunities they have, and so on. Yeah, so let's uh, get to it. Both of us, after we left this interview, felt a little bit uh, adrenaline pumping. Um, Dazzled. Yeah, Brittany has a great personality and a great view on uh, transitions in the legal world. So here we go. She's just a very charming person as well. I'm Brittany Twist. I'm the executive director of Canadian Lawyers Abroad. Abacos Canadian Electranger, which is based out of the University of Ottawa, but I work remotely from Toronto. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our show. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about your career path? Absolutely. So I went to the University of Ottawa before I came to law school, after I graduated from Queen's University, where I did a degree in sociology, I went to work in Africa. I was based with a volunteer group in Arusha, Tanzania, and I did work with an orphanage, and I did HIV-AIDS prevention uh, presentations in Arusha and in remote villages with a translator, as well as uh, women and girls human rights presentations. So that was my first kind of in-the-field, intense uh, human rights work exposure. And I'd always intended to go to law school, almost didn't come back. I almost stayed in Africa. I almost got off the bus on the way to the airport because I don't think I've ever felt as kind of alive and fulfilled as I did when I was living and working there. I think it was just really unique to be able to wake up and spend your whole day every day doing uh, good work. You know, when you're a student, you work part-time or you could do volunteer work, but this was my first time doing full-time social justice work. But I did stay on the bus because I felt like my end goal was to get a degree and then do uh, more legal related work. So I started University of Ottawa in September 2008. After my first year of law school, I went on a Canadian Lawyers Abroad internship to ECPAT International in Bangkok, Thailand, where I did work to combat the commercial sexual exploitation of children. Um, so that was my first legal research experience in the field, which was quite remarkable. After my second year, I summered at Martha McCarthy & Company in Toronto, which is a family law and charter litigation boutique firm. In my third year, I went, um, actually I started with Canadian Lawyers Abroad part-time as the director of student programs. So I did that part-time during school, and I was actually on exchange in the UK for half the semester. 
And following graduation, I went on to article and work as an associate at a family law boutique firm in Toronto called Nyman Gelgut and Associates, which was a very intense family law litigation firm. And then it intense. Can you yeah. Follow up with that. What's that? Follow up on that intense. Intense. Yeah. Well, at a boutique firm, unlike I think some of the larger firms, you definitely get kind of thrown right into the fire, so to speak. Um, you know, your very typical litigation experience, long hours, high pressure. Um, but at a smaller firm, I think often you get a higher level of responsibility sooner, which is hard at the time, but I think in the long term, really great in terms of developing your skills and experience. And Yeah, so I, I was quite happy actually doing that work. I found it really fulfilling. I really enjoyed working with clients one-on-one um, who were going through, you know, often very difficult time in their life. But in, the, in August of 2013, I was recruited by Canadian Lawyers Abroad to join as executive director. Nice. So kind of a diverse, uh, diverse <clears throat> path, diverse experience. But. And that's what we wanted to talk about actually <laughs> next. So you have a lot of smooth transitions in your legal career. And uh, what would you say allowed you to keep your options so open that you could go from a boutique firm to mm-hmm. CLA? It's a good question. Um, in terms of keeping my options open, I think I was just really good at interviewing and preparing for interviews, to be completely honest. Um, during law school, I had kind of specialized in human rights with a focus on women and children, and I did a couple of specialized research projects and, and joined um, some other initiatives while I was in school that kind of created a, a CV or a skill set in that area. I think I always knew I wanted to go and do social justice work or work for an NGO ultimately, but I also wanted to get called to the bar and have the experience of being a litigator. I often recommend that to students, actually. I think it is important if you want to work in the field of law to get experience as a lawyer. Um, I think it just is a certain skill set that you develop, but also there's a level of credibility that you obtain by going through that experience, getting called to the bar, going through your articles, um, and then working as a lawyer for, you know, a few years. So your question about transitions was, how did I transition out of CLA? So I, I, I think I managed smooth transi- transitions by taking control of my narrative and defining my story in interviews. So when I went into, for example, my interview at Martha McCarthy and Company, they could have looked at my resume and thought like, oh, this girl is for sure going to do international work. She's total social justice, you know, even like question why I was interviewing there. But at the time I had highlighted, you know, my work in international human rights, but with a focus on children's rights. And I explained that one of my goals was to get experience as a litigator. And I was able to kind of market myself to a family law firm by focusing on my interest in children and uh, in promoting their rights and that there's a certain element of that in family law, obviously. And then the transitions, I think, beyond from family law to back to Canadian lawyers abroad was just the simple fact that I had stayed involved. So even though, you know, during law school, I know it's super busy, and you guys probably feel like you're extremely busy, but trust me, it gets worse. Um, I remember feeling really busy as well in law school, but you realize actually you had all the time in the world once you become a lawyer. Um, but on top of, you know, your regular work schedule, and I worked part-time, I would stay involved in various organizations. Um, and I did the same thing when I was a lawyer, even though it was like very difficult, I made time, uh, to stay involved in the, in the initiatives that were important to me. And so one of those was, for example, Dare to Dream, which is a program run by Canadian Lawyers Abroad. I helped them with some of their fundraising 
And I think, you know, when CLA got to a point when they were looking for a new executive director, the fact that I had been involved in some way or another for the past five years was attractive, you know, made me an attractive candidate. So when you were applying for the boutique firm and they were concerned that you have international experience and that's what you want to pursue and you still wanted to stay involved in it, did you tell them that this may be something that you would only do for a few years or do you... No, I didn't. I don't think I knew at that point. You know, I don't think you can ever know for sure when how long you're going to stay in a job. So I didn't come in saying, you know, by the way, I'm only going to be around for a couple of years. And I definitely wouldn't recommend a student do that. In fact, I think, you know, most people when they're hiring students, including myself, you're looking for people who are really committed to, you know, the job and ideally would be around for a long time. That being said, you know, it's not uncommon for lawyers to move around either between firms or to change you know, their area of specialty altogether or their sector. Um, so, no, I didn't talk about that, but I think, you know, if questions came up like, oh, I see that you worked in Thailand or I see that you were working in Africa, I would say, you know, I would comment on those experiences and how um, enriching they were and how much I enjoyed them and my love for travel, for example. But I would have highlighted, you know, the certain skills that I obtained from those jobs and how they were applicable to the job I was applying to. So if it was, you know, interacting with um, women and children who've experienced abuse, uh, that's a parallel to family law or something that would be relevant. You know, dealing with um, high-stakes cases, high-stakes issues, highly emotional clients. Um, yeah, and there's other examples you could think of, but I think, you know, you focus on the transferable skills and what's going to make you attractive to the, the employer, your potential employer that you're sitting in front of in an interview, right? Um, I think... A lot of students probably don't prepare enough for interviews. If I'm being completely honest, I think that like that is something that I think I always took very seriously and was very honest. You know, if there was if I was in an interview, I would make sure that they knew that I was a hard worker and that I wasn't going to let them down and I was going to, you know, really give it my all. And I think it shows through. So in preparation, you've got what you're saying is you walk into an interview, they've got a, maybe an impression of you based on your mm -hmm. background. What specifically did you do to prepare, and what kind of questions did they were you faced with? Like, did they anything that catch you off guard, or were were you able to prepare for that type of an interview setting for that context? I think so. I mean, like, if I were to go, I mean, so you landed the job, so I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think so. I I think you start by preparing by making sure your application is tailored for the job. So I know that everybody uses like template cover letters, but I think that. Uh, it can't be understated that they need to be modified to suit the particular job you're looking for. It's also really obvious to an employer when someone is applying because they really want that job or if this is a blanket cover letter. That's something that I know now in my position with CLA when I'm hiring students and reviewing, uh, you know, for even for our internship program reviewing applications, it's you can tell when someone's heart is in it or not. And I think that's especially true for social justice related jobs. Um, so the first part of preparation, I would say, is, you know, the application and the cover letter and even your CV. You mm -hmm. know, oftentimes you only have one or two pages. And I'm sure like you too, or I'm sure your stars as well, almost everyone is who's in law school these days. Mm -hmm. A lot of extracurricular and, and, and awards and all that stuff. But if you're cutting down your CV, then making sure that the most relevant experience is on your CV for the job you're applying to. And then, you know, if I'm walking into a family law litigation firm for an interview, I would have looked up new cases or emerging areas of law so that I had some something substantive to talk about. I would have looked at my own experience and thought about the transferable skills that would apply to family law litigation, knowing that, you know, 
they're probably going to ask me about my past two summers abroad and what that was like Mm -hmm. and what my intentions were moving forward. So at the time, I don't feel like it was lying to say that, like, I was interested in working in family law litigation. They had asked me, you know, if you take the summer job, would you be committed to coming back as an articling student? At the time, the answer was yes, because I knew that I wanted to article and I wanted to work as an associate for a couple of years. Even like I said, actually, if it weren't for CLA approaching me for this job when I was at the law firm, I would have probably still be there because I was planning to do it for about three to five years. I think it's fairly common, to be honest. Like I know um, a lot of my colleagues in working in the nonprofit sector or even in government or law firms like that, many of them have had several transitions in their, in their lifetime and since they graduated from law school. Um, I do think, however, it's important to be strategic. Like, I, I would say that, like, I'm playing the long game, and I always have been, if you know what I mean. So it's kind of like you have this goal in mind. A lot of students who want to go into international law or do human rights work, I think maybe naively hope or assume they're going to get out of law school and get their dream job at the UN and the New York headquarters. But most likely, you're going to have to, like, put in your time. And actually, the UN is typically hires more specialized lawyers and more senior lawyers unless you have a very specific skill set that they're looking for, or language, for example. Um, So the long game is, you know, what can you do after graduation, you know, for five to ten years that are going to give you the skills, the experience, the reputation to get you the dream job? Did I answer your question? That's a great tip. That's just a great perspective. What's one surprising thing that you've learned while transitioning? That your friends and colleagues and family members will be shocked. A lot of people talk about changing and, and using their law degree to, you know, uh, help communities or to give back. So I think that was surprising to me that, like, people knew that this was something that I was interested in. But once you get a job, and, and it, like, I think it's easier to talk about doing this kind of work than it is to, uh, to actually do it. How different was it? From litigation? Yes. Oh, completely different. Uh, my life is completely different than it was two years ago. I was a junior lawyer at a family law litigation firm, uh, you know, doing substantive legal work, court documents, going to court, uh, including up to the Supreme Court of Canada, very high-pressure work. This is also very high-pressure and very intense, long hours, but it's very different because... Um, well, it's a nonprofit sector for one. I'm the executive director, so there's some great parts about that, which means I have the flexibility with my schedule. I don't have to wear a suit every day. <laughs> and um, But I wear every hat, right? So a lot of what I do is managerial now and program development. There's managing relationships with stakeholders. There's social media. There's managing a budget. I have to obviously answer to my board. Um, so it's extremely diverse from what I was doing before in terms of like my everyday life. I, I feel like I'm learning something new every day, which is very exciting, was very overwhelming in my first year. Um, but now that I have a better handle on it, I think it's more exciting than overwhelming, which is good. (laughs) Any regrets? Zero regrets. That's just not really my style. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think it should be yours either. <laughs> um, I don't. I think you know everyone has a path, and as kind of going back to like taking control of your own narrative and telling your own stories, finding a way to weave your experiences together and, and not look back. You talked about how unusual it is. 
to actually switch, what advice would you have for people thinking about it? And it could be anything strategic from how to do it gracefully to how to decide. Mm, I think maintaining relationships, building and maintaining relationships um, is, is key. Is key to working in this sector, is key to developing a network of people that you can rely on when you are looking to transition. Um, it goes to building like your reputation as well. If people think that you're a good person and that you do good work, they'll be more likely to you know, suggest you when a job, job does come around. Uh, I think it's really important to, to have that kind of quiet inner confidence in yourself as well because... It is the path, the road less traveled in a way, and I think you know surrounding yourself with people who are not gonna um, encourage that little voice in your head, that little doubtful voice in your head that's telling you you might not make it or cut it, is not a good idea. So surrounding yourself with people that I think builds you up and, and uh, support your crazy ideas is a good thing, and being confident but not arrogant is something that I think a lot of law students would benefit from mastering that kind of fine line. A lot of the law students, uh, students in general, they don't really know what area they're mm -hmm. interested in. Um, any suggestions for how to help them distill? <laughs> That's so hard. I would honestly just say, stay calm, don't panic, <laughs> it's all it's gonna hard. be okay, <laughs> you'll figure it out eventually. That's what I would say. Um, I, I, no one can tell like a first year student like which area of law they're going to actually like. You know, some of my friends thought they wanted to be uh, family law lawyers but enjoyed tax so much that they're working at national law firms doing tax law. Would I have ever liked to do tax law? Probably not, but I don't know. I didn't take the course, maybe. You know, it's one of those things where you don't actually know anything about an area of law until you study it, but even then, practicing it is very different from studying. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have an excellent answer to that other than stay calm, don't panic, uh, get a variety of exposure. So take, like, you know, don't just take all corporate courses because you think you want to be a corporate lawyer. Maybe mix in some other things to see if something else piques your interest. I think it's important in general to diversify your experience in law school and take advantage of you know specialized courses or research opportunities or, or even I think here at U of O there are opportunities to go abroad in the January term for example you know get get a wide exposure um, and don't I think that students also also should not discount the value of going on to a large firm and doing a rotation and getting general exposure to different areas uh, again kind of going back to what I said earlier even if you want to do human rights work, you may not find that job right out of law school, or it may not also just be financially possible, which it wasn't for me also. Um, so my going into litigation was, you know, there was kind of two purposes behind that. One was to get the experience, but the other was to pay some of my student loans down, because mm -hmm. let's be honest, uh, most of us are not graduating debt-free, and it's not always possible to take an entry-level job in an NGO and get paid 30000 a year or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm, I'm making that number up, but you know what I'm saying? So I think, you know, you can't, you could go on and work at a large firm and you could get really stellar experience at a large law firm that could be, you know, then those skills could be transferable to another job down the road. Okay. In three minutes or less, could I, t could you tell us if there are any things, three things that students should avoid doing, mistakes that they should stay away from? They should stay away from academically or professionally. Okay, I don't need three minutes. I prepared for this question. <laughs> One, spend less time worrying and more time getting involved. 
to, um, yeah, I, no, don't close any doors. So I think keeping an open mind and, and trying a variety of courses and, and getting exposure with various volunteer opportunities is a great idea in, uh, in law school. And in fact, actually, if you're talking about you know, doors opening in the future, staying involved in volunteering with organizations. It may be that one-off volunteer experience that will open up a door in five years and, you know, you could go work for Amos International or something else because you had happened to have been volunteering for several years. Yeah. Um, and then my third one was, again, like avoid people who will make you doubt yourself or your career path because um, there's a lot of kind of group effect problems that happens in law school where everyone just like stresses each other out and, and it's you'll see people start spiraling I tended to just avoid the live places like the library and or people that were like that because it just didn't suit me and I happen to have a really awesome group of friends in law school actually so I didn't have to worry too much about that but um, it's not a good idea did people ask each other if they did the readings when you were in law school as well? Yes, but this isn't part of my three minutes, just so yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay, sure I don't okay. go over. Okay. Um, people I was going to ask... another question. <laughs> oh, okay. People ask all kinds of crazy questions when you're in law school. Um, you know, the reality is it's like a group of type, like generally speaking, type A. Even I am type A to a certain extent, and I find like a lot of my friends would say I'm pretty chill or goofy or whatever but like I have that side of me where I I like things to be done very proper like very well I have high expectations I can be intense um so you have a bunch of kind of overachievers all in one place and people's coping mechanisms can be very different and some people are more competitive than others and I think you just have to like really block out the bullshit and focus on like your own inner compass and what you want to do because otherwise you could get off track and really, I think that's something that you would really avoid. Hmm. Or, sorry, want to avoid and or regret. Yeah. Like yeah. It. My one thing was going to be the, uh, the tip specifically in exams right now, two weeks out, what do you do? One tip. Two weeks before an exam? Two weeks before the start of your exam season. The two-week stretch of, you know, fear and discomfort. <laughs> Honestly, the only thing that's coming to my brain right now is to have toast with peanut butter and banana before your exam. Because that's what I used to do. It was like my go-to pre-exam meal. Like potassium, you got the energy from the peanut butter, the toast to give you, you know, some that's staying good. power. Um, no, I, that's honestly what the first thing that came to my mind. My tip would be to prepare in your own way. Just really sit down and think to yourself, like, what do I need to do to do well on this exam and block out everything else? Like, if group studies aren't your thing, then don't feel bad about missing the group study thing, you know? Nice. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. We do have one question that we, we try to ask, and it's a kind of a fun one um, that we may or may not include. Depends on the answer, so high stakes. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. Without talking about the law, tell us about yourself. I prepared for this one, too, because I was like, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> um, I live in Toronto with my partner, who is also a lawyer. Uh, my family's from Belleville, Ontario, and I'm the proud aunt of my brother's four boys, uh, which is a lot of fun. When I'm not working, I play ultimate frisbee, I'm taking piano lessons, I'm a bit of a lifelong learner, I think, and I also take French lessons, which aren't as fun, but I'm trying to not lose my language skills altogether now that I'm in Toronto. Um, yeah, I love to explore and to travel. If I didn't become a lawyer, I probably would have been a psychologist, or a journalist, or a ninja. I like ninja, mm -hmm. I do that too. Yeah. Sounds fun. I think new niche market is combining the three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great.
This is the Law School Show. I like ninja. <laughs>